Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, this is Harmony. Thanks for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast today. Before we get started, I just wanted to make sure you knew that there's only one more week to sign up for my Ancient Breathing 2.0 course that will be taught online. It starts next Sunday, January 17th. And if you'd like to register, head on over to harmonyslater-programs.com. You can find it also on my website, harmonyslater.com. And just a little uh, reminder, because maybe some of you don't know, but deep breathing, taking time to breathe during your day can relieve anxiety, improve your digestion. It also creates a better complexion, creates clear, radiant skin. It also will improve your sleep, which will decrease your levels of fatigue. So if you're moving into January feeling a little fatigued already, then this is a great way to start to increase your energy. Also, pranayama is well known for managing cravings and also it can relieve headaches, tension, and other harmful effects of stress. So we're going to look at all different types of breathing practices from the Hatha Pradipika and traditional teachings that I've learned from my pranayama teacher, Sri O.P. Tawari. So I hope that you'll dive into this course with me. We look at Kriyas, Bandhas, and also the ancient science of Ayurveda. There's a lot here in this course, and I think you're really going to enjoy the depth and also the clarity you'll receive from regularly practicing these ancient breathing techniques. So I hope that you'll join me. Head on over to my website, harmonyslater.com or harmonyslater-programs.com and sign up today. And we'll start next Sunday. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hi, thanks for joining us today on the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm here with Russell Case. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. And our dear friend, the mayor of Mysore, the mayor of Mysore, <laughs> Tim Feldman. How do you pronounce your name, Feldman? Mayor, mayor, Mysore, 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 Mysore. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's good. That's, that's lovely. Where are you calling us from? From Miami. From Miami. Yeah, oh, I just oh that's your accent. I could never figure out your accent. I thought Miami you were, accent. I don't know, from someplace else, exotic. No, but no, you're you're a it. southerner. Yes, it's just like the Miami accent goes like this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> I'm from Denmark. That's oh, why you it are. sounds so weird. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. What part of what part of um. Is that that's the northern part? That Denmark is in the north. That's right. And what part of Denmark we like are you? We to from? say it's on top of Germany. That makes oh, it feel really good. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure they enjoy that expression. How do you say that in Danish? That you're on top of Germany? Uh, I have no idea. <clears throat> I only came up with that when I moved to America. So, but it, let's see. Yeah, 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 on yeah, yeah, on to Tyskland. 
<laughs> now I wouldn't dare to say it over there. I have to be far away to say you know, something right. like that. <laughs> They're tough, those Germans, you know. Like, yeah. Well, they have a reputation, don't they? And 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 so they do. Would you like to go down that route? <laughs> well, I, at some point, I'm going to ask about your parents and your grandparents and how they got on with the Germans okay. in the war. But first, what part of Denmark are you from? Uh, I'm from Copenhagen, which is the capital. Is that how you say that? Copenhagen. As a matter of fact, I am from a suburb just outside of Kubenhaun. It's called Rollauer. That's wow. where I grew up. <laughs> Good luck wow. with that. <laughs> wow. No chance. Whoa. I'm, ve- I'm very happy to some- somehow be like able to impress you because it's not a very impressive suburb. It's just the name when you come to a foreign country that like, gets a little bit of a response. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like people people settled there the first time and they said, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it feels so good. <laughs> what what is it what is it what was it like there? Is it um is it very conservative? Is it religious? Is it an industrial town? Um although it's like a little I don't know about you, but I grew up in the suburbs and I uh, I do not enjoy the suburbs I, at all. I feel they're kind of like a soulless, godless place. But yeah. um, Copenhagen is lovely. Denmark is lovely. Uh, not very religious, very, very secular. Uh, free thinkers, um, very liberal. Um, yeah, nice, nice place to be, f- uh, kind and friendly place to grow up. And your parents, were they kind and friendly? I would say so, yeah. Are, they, are, they, uh, are the Danish, are they a jolly people? Uh, you know, in Scandinavia, which is Norway, Sweden, and Finland and Denmark, I believe yeah. they call us the the Latin uh, people of Scandinavia. <gasps> oh, so you know, a little bit more yeah. freewheeling. Yeah. The 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 Swedes, our big brother, they do everything better than us, but we have yeah. more fun. It seems like. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so my my family came from uh, Gutenberg. Oh, in, is that in, right? In, uh, uh, they're Schwenskas. Yes, in, uh, Schwenskas, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're horrible, mean drunks, is my impression of them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Gothenburg is a, a, is a wonderful city, beautiful, beautiful city. Have you been there, Russell? No, I would really, oh, you gotta really go. like to go back, yeah. you you got to come visit me and Kino. We go to Copenhagen every summer. Kind of come over, visit us, and then you got to go up and see if you can find your your Svenskers ancestors up there. Be good, yeah. That's uh, there were the Andersons, so there there can't be too many oh, of them. That's uh, no Anderson is a very <laughs> un, uncommon last name over there. Yeah, it's not common. There was a guy yeah, called Hans know. Christian. You know, he know him. Some people know about I him. I thought he was he was Danish. Um, He's actually Danish. Yeah, that's right. I do that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what did your What did your parents do that was so boring to to grow up in a town like that? Well, so my at first my mom was a hairdresser, and my father was at uh, like he was trained as a machinist, and then he became a traveling salesman. And then as I grew up, my mom changed profession. She became a gymnastics teacher. Uh, like oh, she's fabulous, your mother. 
And then she continued and she, like a little bit later, she became a Alexander Technique teacher. Have you heard about that? Frederick? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. I did some. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. goodness. Wow. Is that what got you into the dance world? Oh, it's a good question. You know, I think, well, when I was a young kid, I just liked to move and dance a lot. And then at some moment, I just, and then I went into to this kind of creative boarding school. It's called a Folkehoi School mm-hmm. in, in Denmark for a bit. And somehow I ended up in the theater class and I really liked it. And then there was a guy that came from Japan uh, who had just been studying Buto dance with Katsuo Ono. Have you heard about really? him? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was writing about Buto dance just recently in my blog, yeah. Yeah, um, but I'd learned about it in college. They're f- it's fantastic. Oh, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. And so, so did you do a little bit of that? Well, yeah, that's like, and he came back, you know, and the Butu dance was like, you shut up, you paint yourself white, and then you move really slowly for a long time. <laughs> that's, not just, that's not just that one performance. Every single Butu dancer does that. That is it. Oh, you know? man. So, so weird. Different shades of white. So, and I just, um, I just thought that that was the world's eighth wonder and loved yeah. it. And then I started to do that, and I wanted to go to Japan, but I was too young. I was, I don't know, 17 or something. And then instead, I started to do some experimental dancing and theater, like Grotowski and things like that. And then slowly I got, you know, turned it on to more technical dancing. I went to Holland and went to a school there. And during my first year, I realized that um, it was super fun to dance, but I couldn't repeat what I did today, tomorrow, because I didn't have any skills to maintain the uh, movement material in my body. Mm. So that's when I started to get interested in technique because that helped you recreate what you were doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I I started to feel I got some control and I got interested in all that technical stuff. And then I pursued like a combination of creativity and technicality was kind of... And then at some moment... I happened to fall off a mountain <laughs> and uh, break my body. And uh, as Is that a, right? Yeah, no kidding. Is that a true story? That's a true story, man. What happened? Well, I was, I just moved to New York and trying to make it, you know, in New York because it's what you do, right? When you, as a dancer, showbiz. Yeah. 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 So, so um, then a friend and of mine. How old were you when you moved to New York? Oh, what was I? 20-something, early 20s, 21, 22, 23, something like that. And then um, my good friend, David Zambrano, he had just opened a a dance festival in Caracas called uh, Festival de Danza Postmoderna. Caracas. In Caracas. That was before Chavez. Oh, yeah, okay. And I went down there, and on a Friday afternoon, we took a walk in the mountains and I couldn't get down fast enough, as you can hear. So <laughs> I took the short way down. <laughs> you literally fell off a cliff. I literally fell off a cliff. Wow. Very far. I fell down six, seven stories. It's wow. really, really crazy. I should have died. I absolutely should have died that day. But I didn't. And that's how I came into yoga. Because Do you remember, you remember all that you remember the, the feeling of falling and tumbling and the whole you thing. remember everything? You remember yeah. everything. Yeah, I didn't pass wow. out. Actually, 
managed to land on my feet and then fall back, which of course meant I broke my knees and my feet and all kind of stuff. <laughs> when, you, when you broke your knees, do you mean the bones or the, the ligaments? The, what did you break? Yeah, kind of all of that. <laughs> that was just wow. a lot of it was pretty crunchy still to this day i think maybe four years ago i had a was that an x-ray on my left knee and the the plateau of the tibia bone on the lower leg mm. is like it looks like a graph you know it looks like a graph for the oh. coronavirus or something yeah and uh and the radiologist came out after, and he, he looked at me in horror and said, what have you done to your knee? And I, was, I knew what he was talking about. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's my knee, baby. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's that's not something new. It's been like that since I was yeah. a young kid. Wow. Oh. So did you have to, like, go into a body cast, or how did you heal from this? Yeah, body cast for five <gasps> years. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just a lot of, you know, it took me to, yeah, like some, you know, some casts and some, they put you in these things called don't joints where they can hold your joints together while they heal a little bit better and stuff. But um, about it took me about two years to rehabilitate. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and during that, that's when I started to do some yoga. You did some yoga in addition to the, the rehabilitation that they gave you and and did you know at that point that you were done as a dancer or were you still going to do that? No, I was like, you know, completely determined. The only thing I wanted was to get back on stage. Mm-hmm. So I was just working towards that point And I had some type of arrogance, like thinking I knew better than the doctor. So when they told me that... Uh, they wouldn't be able to run again. I wouldn't be able to dance again. But if they gave me some special orthopedic shoes, I would be able to walk without with relatively low pain. Um, and the government sent me, uh, <clears throat> uh, offered me uh, invalid, uh, what's it called, pension. Wow. Because I have socialized oh. medicine there. Yeah. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Nice I have a job in three months that I have to do. So. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. So, uh, but that kind of helped me yeah. because I just didn't see, I just like, there was one way forward only. And after two years I was back on stage, like, and, um, and working again in New York. And that's when I started to do yoga at the Jiva Mukti studio down there. Can I, can I ask you, you know, my, my father is a mechanic, um, but my mother is a sort of, um, a fabulist also fabulous in her own way. Um, but those are two different things. Um, <laughs> but, uh, she, uh, they were very encouraging for me to, to not become, you know, working class and not to become a mechanic and not to become something like that. They really wanted me to, to kind of try different things. And the arts um, was something that they, they really approved of. It really s- suited them. My dad had painted a little bit. My mom, was a writer, um, had written a book, and um, uh, so you, I'm, I'm interested. Did you have other siblings as well? I have an older brother, yes. And were they? It's interesting that your father was a machinist, and your mother was a was a had a kind of fabulous um, uh, professional life. Were they? They also very encouraging for you to just to try this and do this and go on stage and. In a, in a world that um, 
I, I can't imagine that there are a lot of heterosexual Danish men in that world. Well, <clears throat> I think my father was very open to adventure. I remember when I was a young kid, we would sit in front of the TV and watch Jacques Cousteau. Do you know who Jacques Cousteau is? Oh, yeah, 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 from the ocean, yeah. Yeah, and we would watch, you know, like explorers on Mount Everest and stuff. And I always had this, like when I grew up, before I knew anything, I was like, yeah, us, you know, our family is adventurous. We could have been on Mount Everest right now, but we happen to sit in our dining room eating, you know, roast chicken, you know. <laughs> but it could as well have been on our Mount Everest. So I think I grew up with that in my blood somewhat, that adventure was a natural thing for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when it was time for me to begin to take some charge of my own life in my teenage years, I started to do all kind of stuff like that and started to travel and uh, moved away from Denmark when I was about 18. You know, didn't really come back for many, many years. So that was just, I think, very natural. And so I had that from my father. And then my mom, I think, is artistically inclined. When she was a hairdresser, she was a competitive hairdresser. Wow. You know, <laughs> I didn't know there was such a know that existed. Uh, no. so she would do like competitions and, you know, she would win medals, you know, for, I don't wow. know, fancy hair. Yeah. And yeah. When, she, when she was a small child, she wanted to do ballet, but she was from a working class family and they couldn't afford that. This is post-war in uh, Northern Europe. So they couldn't afford to send her to ballet. Um, so when I picked up dance, she was thrilled mm. and uh, very, very supportive. And both my parents have always been very supportive. My mom in a very active way and my father. When I picked up dancing, he, <clears throat> uh, my father like was driving motorcycles and was a machinist and he was more of a man's man. So when I started to dance, he kind of looked at me like, what hmm. the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, do we, what do we have here? What the heck? Yeah. But, you know, he'd somehow been looking at like me at, at like that my entire life, like giving me <laughs> yeah. space to do what I wanted, but he could never really figure me out. Yeah. yeah. And I, for some reason, took no notice of it. But at some moment when I was still in school, I landed a job as, an, as a trainee for a dance company in Sydney, Australia. And I came home and I told him that. And I said, I'm going to Australia. He's like, you're doing what? I'm going to <laughs> Australia. He was like, I always wanted to go to Australia. How are you going there? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I've, I've been hired as a dancer there. And he looked at me. He said, you've been hired as a dancer in Australia? And I said, yeah. He, and he said, don't they have any dancers down there? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, but for some reason they want me to come down. And then he looked at me with this, you know, look that looked like, huh. I guess that all that crazy stuff that my son is doing can actually lead somewhere. It's like, hmm, there's some kind of sense of approval there. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But uh, it was in a very like simple way that he was approving of what I was doing. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really neat. That sounds a lot like my parents when I started doing the yoga thing. You know, they were always kind of surprised at where it was taking me and how I was getting there. <laughs> Is that right? But you, uh, Harmony, you came from ballet. Yes, right? I did. Yeah, and it's. I also found it very interesting that, you know, your mother had this desire to to be a ballet dancer and, 
and you kind of were the the fruit of that desire yeah. in mm-hmm. your own actions and and it's yeah. actually a very similar story to me in that my mother um spent some time uh you know she never did ballet or anything like that but she would watch um ballet and and uh, spent some time at the Banff Center of Fine Arts doing other things um but she would watch these ballerinas and think oh it would be so amazing to be a ballerina and to you know be able to do all these things and and so then again I was sort of this without her really saying anything or or you know pushing me in any way because she never did that but um you know kind of was the fruit of her her desire Uh, uh, yeah it's so fascinating to me how often that seems to happen I, I think it's very common yes you know like somehow your parents desires like drives you in a in a direction i think it's also because like if let's say your mom and my mom were not interested in dance and we said i want to dance they'll be like are you sure yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know shouldn't you become a mechanic instead yeah. right right but, but they're like yeah dance you who mm-hmm. you know like yeah. i see yeah. in the shopping mall down here there's a little ballet studio <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a neat sort of circle, you know, that gets completed sometimes that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim, I'm I'm trying to give our our listeners a, an image of uh, or a picture uh, into what uh, what you were like, and I'm I'm imagining you and fantasizing about you as I often do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's mutual, Russell. It's mutual. <laughs> and I'm imagining you. <laughs> you know, jet setting around Europe and, and New York as a teen and early and a man in his early twenties. And I'm wondering what what did you what were you like? I kind of imagine you with like big kind of a boxy sport coat and, and like Duran Duran, you know. Yes, exactly. I'm wondering like you were like you just you must have had models on each arm and yes. like girls were throwing themselves at you all the time. Yes, what, into what my you, Ferrari. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 like, yeah. It, it's the yeah, right exactly. picture you got yeah. right there. Yeah, I have it. I have it. That's it. Then that's what it looked like. So, what were you listening to? What music were you listening to? What did your hair look like? <clears throat> well, when I was a kid, I had this Jufro. <gasps> I didn't. <laughs> really? I, I kind of had had a Jufro. Are and you Jewish? Are you allowed to say that? Because I'm allowed to say that. You know. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I am actually not Jewish, but I thought I was Jewish, like in secret, up until just a few years ago. When and um, did one you of know my... that the, the Jews had faced a lot of uh, persecution in Denmark? <laughs> no, I, no, have the Jews been persecuted? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't. Who would have known? <laughs> Uh, yes, and that, that's actually why I thought that because I have two ends at the end of my name, uh, Feldman, and they say that when it's Feldman is with one end, it's Jewish, and with two ends, it's most likely not Jewish. Okay. So I just thought, <clears throat> come 1939, Europe, that someone slid an N into that name. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And wow. my... My my father's side of the family, they are very dark. Like my father had almost like bluish, steel black, blue hair, like so yeah. black, black. And my grandmother too, yes, my, on my paternal side, and my grandfather, my paternal side, not so much. But and sh- her name was 
Ryman, which is even more Jewish than Feldman. Yeah. But of some um, freak incident, they are not Jewish, neither of them. Huh. And yeah. we just realized that a couple of years ago. But also like my face and my nose and the shape of my head, I look like I should have grown up in Israel somehow. Exactly. exactly. A very similar story, Tim. We were very dark on my my father's side. His his mother, the Kaufmans, changed their name oh, to yeah. Chapman. There you to go. To become, you know, um, Goy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's what I thought happened in my family until recently. Also because when my father grew up, my father despises religion like nobody's business. And when he grew up, there was a rule in the family, no conversations about religion. So I thought, of course, the kids are growing up in in Nazi occupation. If anybody figures out that there's Jewish blood in their family... They all, um, you know, uh, they're sent straight down to the to the concentration camps. But yeah. apparently, that was all in my head. So that actually didn't, you know, <laughs> just my my preference for drama. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it had been like that. I like that story. Though. It's a story, we, isn't it? Yeah, we can we can just pretend. I don't it's mind. Just, not let yeah. not let the truth get in in the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I rarely do. Um, can, can, so, what were you what were you dressed like? Were you what were you what were you listening to at that age? Well, let's see. <clears throat> I think I went through a couple of periods. Like, for instance, when uh, John Travolta came out there in '78 with the disco dancing, I thought he was the bomb man. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of schizophrenic about it because at the same time I really liked the Clash, mm-hmm. but the I Clash, found yeah. the, which was the same year. But I found the Clash just a few years after I learned to disco dance, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I I had to make a cold turkey right there because you know John Travolta was somehow less popular in the punk rock uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then I would have liked him to be. <laughs> <laughs> so at some moment I had to make a, a hard choice in my life and wave goodbye to all that. But anyway, I didn't have the hair, so it wasn't a big loss. <laughs> no. You said goodbye to disco. That's yeah. what you're saying. And I then you went up later in my life again. And then you went full punk. Well, kind of semi-punk. Kind of like suburban, playing around with it a little bit. You That's know? most of us, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Most of the punks are a bit, yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I had a couple of friends that was full out punk rocks, you know, and hanging out and squatting houses and stuff. I was very proud of them, but I wasn't <laughs> <laughs> very proud to be a little bit their friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I'd like to, I'd like to know how... You came to happen upon Jiva Mukti. So you've recovered from your massive accident. You fell off a cliff, yeah. And you had started rehabilitating and you're back dancing and you're back in New York City. Yeah. And what drew you into Jiva Mukti? Well, um, I um, I took a class with a, with a a dancer, a teacher that I really liked. Um, and 
I, I asked her, what are you doing there? That stuff we start with in the beginning. I've never tried this before. I haven't seen that kind of movement. It's like, it really works for me. What is that? She said, oh, you know, she said, that bit, that comes from yoga. I said, yoga? She said, yeah. If you're interested, I'm teaching a class on Saturdays. And you can come down 10 a.m. I teach a class in Lafayette. It's like, all right, I'll come down Lafayette 10 o'clock on Saturday. So I took that class and she was doing kind of a vinyasa class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came a couple of times. And one day she said, Tim, you seem to like this a lot. Why don't you come with me uh, and join me next time I go and take class for my teacher? I said, I'm in. And that was the <laughs> Okti. Mm-hmm. And who is the teacher? I'm not, sh- I can't remember, but <clears throat> I know that um, Lisa, um, what's her last name, Lisa? Shrimp. Shrimp, exactly. She was there. I took a couple of classes with her. Oh, yeah. and Alison West, are you familiar with her? Um, not not as much, but but Lisa came on the show a couple of weeks ago, oh, and we did an interview with her and, and talked to her about the, those Jivamukti days. And it seems like a lot of people that we've had on the show have also started with Lisa, weirdly, just like yes. you. I was in her class, and I was in Alison West's class. And there was a time where before – oh, I had a little text message come in. I don't know if you could hear that. But <laughs> <laughs> there was a time where uh, before the Jiva Mukti really defined their own direction, where all the teachers was doing Ashtanga Yoga with Eddie. Yeah. And yeah. they would – go up and, and teach kind of vinyasa classes uh, up there. And also I did one class with Ruth, with Lady yeah. Ruth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lady Ruth. Lady Ruth. But what really got me <clears throat> was that in my first, oh, now like all these names come back. What really got me was that the first class that I did was, was with Brazilian yoga teacher, uh, Ligia Lima, Ligia Lima. Mm-hmm. And she had tattoos and she was really hot. And she was <laughs> really good at yoga and she played uh, Deva Primal, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Deva, Deva Primal. Deva Primal, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, oh, a couple of rock and rollers. <clears throat> and then I was situated right next to Willem Dafoe. Yeah, on, of course. On my mat, and I was almost in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a couple of Berishnikov's dancers that was in the class. <clears throat> he, he had opened the White Oak Project a couple of years earlier. They were in the class. So I was just starstruck being there. Yeah. And then I think three minutes into the class, I'm in some kind of downward facing dog. And Lisa Lima, she comes and she sticks both her hands in between my thighs and pulled me back, you know, the way that we do yeah. sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I thought, this is the best thing I've ever tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I am never going to go home. I want to just live here. So <laughs> that, got me, that got me somehow in- inspired, to say the least. <laughs> you know, I, I, had a, I had kind of a, a story. I was in New York once, and I went to Eddie's to, to practice just because I, I was there on a weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was right next to uh, Willem Dafoe, and, and Mike D was in front of me. So the, <laughs> the two of them were just right on me. You know, Ron, and, can I just put a parenthesis? I have a Beastie Boys T-shirt on right now. So yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I went into um, – uh, I can't think of the posture, the little alligator posture, Nakrasana. I went into Nakrasana. <laughs> Alligator posture. <laughs> little alligator posture. Yeah. I went into Nakrasana and I audibly hear to my left Willem Dafoe say, 
Whoa. Oh, man. I wish you said that to me. <laughs> and so we all finished up, and I go back into the changing room, and he's there with me and a couple other people. And I look over at him, and I was going to introduce myself. And as, as he looked up, um, we made eye contact, and his pants fell down, and then his dick fell down. <laughs> and you did not know what to watch. His face. And I was like, I didn't know whether to shake his hand or his dick. And I was like, yeah. uh, I don't know. And he kind of looks at me like, yeah, not a good time, kid. You know? And I'm like, oh, no. You said to him, now I showed you my little alligator. And I'm so disappointed. Uh, I wish I'd been there with you. I would have loved to see that. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, Harmony, you too, right? Yeah. Who would like to see Willem Dafoe's little alligator? Yeah. Yeah. It would be a sight. I understand, sure. though, that in New York, in the theater scene, like you, it's inevitable that you will see Willem Dafoe naked on stage. Like it's that like right? that's his thing. Is like oh. one, like you know, maybe the scene I should take my, you know, take my clothes off. You know, it's like a Matthew McConaughey <laughs> thing. Yeah. Well, he's very proud, man. He's in amazing shape, and he, I don't know how old he is, but he's got to be in his late sixties. I, I don't know. I, I when I was twenty, I saw the the video of him, the Jiva Mukti video. Yeah. With Willem Dafoe and David and Sharon, and they're all like doing the splits on the porch, and I was like, wow. I don't know what that is, you know, but it's that's. I, I thought it. I was Stanga, but like that's in, that's intense. Yeah. So we have similar story there. So both of you went to to uh, to Jiva Mukti also in in New York. No, I've never been to Jiva Mukti. Yeah, I went there a lot. I went there. My very first Meister class ever was with Russell, and then I went to see. I'd see Christopher Hildebrand if I overslept. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you'd be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh well, no, probably not. And so, but eventually I, you know, I, I settled with Guy and a lot of other Jiva Mukti expats, uh, <laughs> refugees. We all kind of settled at, uh, at Guy's place together. We had a little community, community yeah, there. Was- what, what did you do then? Did you start um, uh, with Eddie as a, in a kind of a hardcore kind of way? Or, or no, where do you think you really I- formed in a Mysore room? I still had no idea about what yoga was. I like I would basically go to Jiva Mukti. I I, um, I lived in that neighborhood, so I would go there and I would take class. I would take the open class, and then I would go down to rehearsal and uh, and rehearse all day. And I felt that that worked better for me than take a ballet class or take a contemporary class because of the work we had to do. I felt I was better set up for it from the yoga class. <clears throat> but then. In the mid-90s, I moved back to Denmark and I brought that practice with me. And then in 98 or 99, I think it was 99, one of the other dancers said, Hey, Tim, you know that yoga you're doing? That's this Italian ex-Olympic, um, um, what do you say, like when you jump off a board and you land in the water like a diver? Is that what it's called? Yeah. They call that a diver, yeah. A diver, yeah. So... <laughs> He's coming to teach a workshop. You should come this weekend. So I went. That was Lino Mille. He was a diver. No. 
what my friend thought he was. Oh, you know, it's funny because he, he, he looks pretend. it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it was totally believable that for a moment. You know, it's funny oh. because my friend Boris, who um, who came to one of the workshops, he says he's like the human cannonball. He's like one of those guys you stuff in a cannon and you shoot him out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah, he, he is. Looks like that. Yeah. He could do that as like a second career. He could. I think so. He would have, he, he wouldn't have, you know, pinned the hair on his head. He would have been completely fine. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> so, so did you start working with him rather closely? Well, I suppose then for five years I was practicing with Lino and he taught me so much. And I just, you know, he like I and he always spoke about Guruji, Guruji, Guruji. He always spoke about Pratap Joyce. So even from that moment, I just thought I have to go to Mysore. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted to set up shop in Copenhagen and I had practiced for a year, I think. And there was another girl in uh, in. Uh, Copenhagen that had done Ashtanga yoga longer than me and she was super advanced she was halfway through second series so I was like whoa this is crazy what you're doing yeah and her name was Bindi and I'm not kidding (laughs) (laughs) Bindi and she kind of saw me as a friend because I was on fire I was I I just couldn't get enough so we would call each other every night and figure out where to practice the next day and she was about I think 10 years older than me Right. And um, so we, and she was teaching it and such. So I would go to her classes and we'd practice together. And <clears throat> then she started to ask if I would sub for her. And mm. then I started to sub some classes, but I didn't know the counts and stuff, you know. But I, yeah, I came from dance and so I knew something about the body. Yeah. And um, yeah, then one thing took the other. And then. Because Lino wasn't living in Copenhagen, so you would practice with him when he would come and do special teaching events. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm gonna, I want to ask you a question. Way we go to Mysore these days. You know, we have a teacher once a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's go back to your first trip to Mysore. You've been working with Lino for some time, and then you said, "You say, well, I I need to do this myself. I need to go to Mysore myself." And how did you make? You're a professional dancer at this point. How did you figure to make this decision? Well, like, it was kind of obvious because Lino was always talking about Guruji. was always, like, that word would come out, you know, all the time, Guruji, Guruji, Guruji. So <laughs> there was no doubt about that I had to go and meet this Guruji man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think from almost like the first class, it was like, you know, what I... Th- I used to uh, mention before is like almost everybody, I started to read Zen in my late teenage years, in my mid mm-hmm. So I was like really into Zen. And I, when I went to dance school, I would go to a, um, a meditation shala mm-hmm. that was in the tradition of uh, um, Trungpa. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I did the Shambhala training. Maybe you heard about that. Yeah, yeah. we were just talking about it with Richard, actually. That's funny. And, and I did that, and I would go and sit a lot while I was in dance school. <clears throat> so I would sit at home, and I would go and sit in that, in that uh, uh, not yoga shala, meditation shala, um, uh, often. So there was this like spiritual seed inside of me that I was super interested in, uh, which, by the way, I also think I got from my mom, but that's another thing. 
So where are we? So yeah, so by the time I was working with Lino and he started to talk about India and yoga and spirituality and I was like, all right, now I'm entering the dragon here. Now it's now you know it's starting to come together. Mm-hmm. But I didn't dare to go to Guruji because I had heard that he was almost brutal in his teaching methodology. And mm-hmm. I had this body that I needed to pet and pet and pet all the time to not to make it function like an mm-hmm. old Buick or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you can't say no to a guru. You, ha- you have to only say yes. You know, so I, it took me five years to get to, to up muster the courage to go the first time. That's probably why I look so stern and severe down there. I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to break. <laughs> <laughs> you really did look very stern and severe. And, and uh, I have to say that meeting you, I was, um, it's astonishing how incredibly warm and generous you are in your manner. And it's, it's really extraordinary. And I had, I had written you a story about how we'd first met. I'd gone to a party that you had had. Um, and at this point, I think you were, you were dating Kino. And uh, I'd, I'd like to know more about how you two met. But um, I, I remember dancing at the party, and I had decided to, to use, to involve my motorcycle helmet in the dance. Good choice. Yeah, and I just sort of I would spin and dance around it while it kind of it oscillated as a sphere. No one wanted to dance with you or something, or was normally. Yeah, and and so you videotaped it, and then you showed me the video, and you showed me how novel my dance was, and you were so generous. And look, look, and you showed it to other people. Look what he does. Look how he involves the motorcycle helmet. (laughs) He involves the helmet in his dance. And I was like, this guy's really incredibly sweet and adorable. <laughs> and so I, I, it, to me, it seems like that's at the heart of what makes you such a fantastically attractive teacher, is that people feel that in you. And so I wonder, do you feel like you learned that from your teachers? Is that the, the, the culture of dance to, that you came out of, that it was that it was warm and generous because it strikes me that maybe like for, from harmony's perspective, it's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, the, the, the dancing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like dance is brutal. Like you gotta be a masochist to want to go that road. Somewhat. Yeah. Would, would Somewhat. you say harmony? Uh, in, in my experience? Yes, it was, it was brutal for sure. You, you, uh, either, developed a very tough skin and a very uh willpower of steel i guess you would say or you end up leaving and quitting (laughs) yeah and 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 for the rest of the life you feel like a failure yeah Yeah. and after a lot of therapy and yoga you you come to love yourself again But it's like because like they build this whole thing up in you that this is the only thing there is, and then if and then they constantly take it away from you and tell you that you are uh, yeah, that you are not good at it, yeah. and you keep doing it, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, um, you are being very kind to me, uh, Russell. I don't know what to say. Um, <clears throat> I think um, if I should answer your question, it's like wh- where do we, how do we become who we are? You know, and, and, and where does that come from? And I think, to be honest with you, there's very little we can, let me speak about myself, there's very little I can take credit for. 
And something like, you know, if you are a charming person, I don't think we develop that. I think we just kind of like, either we're born with that or, or it's something that we get from the, our surroundings. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with, with kindness and stuff, I would, I would, I would again, <clears throat> I have a great relationship to my mother. I think she's a fabulous woman, just like you mentioned to your mother. I would say like the whole thing about kindness and stuff, if there is such a thing in me, I think it comes from my, particularly my mother, um, bringing me up in an uh, environment, in a, in a room where it feels like I'm okay, I'm appreciated, I'm loved, uh, I can do wrong and it's okay still, I can do right and that's also okay, but that, that I'm accepted, like I'm allowed to be who I am and I'm, I'm allowed to be here and it's, it's even a gift to everybody that I'm here. I think I grew up in that kind of environment mm. and I think that, you know, makes the world a very cushioned place to be, a very warm and welcoming place to be. <clears throat> and then when you step into such a place where it's just a friendly space, then you're friendly. Whereas if you walk into a hostile environment, what do you do? You, you gear up, right? And you're ready to, to box with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would yeah. point to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she speaks English. I wish I could take credit for something like that, you know, but I don't think I can, unfortunately. I can... Like that, that, those few, you know, yoga sutras that I have memorized, I'll take credit for those. Oh, my teacher yeah. did a good job, but that's about it, man. <laughs> you didn't write those, Tim. So <laughs> yeah, I, I No, but I, I memorized them, you know, like someone wrote, wrote them and then I memorized them. I'm like, yeah, I memorized three yoga sutras. I'm proud of myself now. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, but did you teach dance as well? Um, yes, I were, you, were you a fucker at teaching dance? I don't know if I was a fucker of teaching dance, and I was probably a fucker, but <laughs> um, well, I always, you know, like I don't know, like from the beginning, the kind of dance I was interested in was very much, um, you know, contemporary art school where they keep throwing it back at you, and and you, you're an artist, Russell, so you. Yeah. You know about all this, you know, like they constantly ask you to think about it and they constantly try to make you the authority of your own universe, you know. So I went to this school that was called School for New Dance Development and it was all about what is dance. Yeah. And it was a bit confusing, but great also. Yeah, each each decision that you make in that in the studio or on that stage is up for criticism. Yes. And whether you sit down to paint or stand up to paint whether you paint on something hard or something soft, whatever you use, whatever material that you use is, is it has a political mm-hmm. uh, motivation mm-hmm. and needs to be deconstructed for what, for what choices you're making. And so at that point, it's, you're, you're stripped to the bone mm-hmm. as an artist and and there's nothing that is not not seen or transparent, and it's 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 incredibly uncomfortable. Yes, you you you're talking about going through school, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and after for that sake, of also, but uh, yeah, uh, I can't remember where where did we come from. 
Well, uh, we're European. Um, but uh, <laughs> you, uh, how did you, uh, so you, Oh, you asked me if I was a, if I was a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Were you a, a really brutal teacher of dance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know, like you, we come out of that kind of training where we've been put so much under the gun, but also at the same time being allowed to take authority. So from a very early time as a dancer, I started to teach. Also because I went to school outside of Denmark because there was no school in Denmark. Mm. So when I came back to Denmark, even like after my first year in dance school, people was like, you know something. You know something that we don't know here. Would you come and teach here? I was like, all right. So I'll go and teach whatever I knew. And then the next year I came back and the next year I came back and slowly. And then I moved to New York and I started to dance over there and I started to learn stuff over there. And if I would wanted to teach in New York, it would be like, why the heck would I do that? Like there's a zillion people that better than me. But when I came back to Denmark, which was a little bit like a dry desert, they they was like, wow, man, what is that stuff you're doing? And I would, you know, I would get a lot of teaching jobs, which was great for my economy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I taught from an, from an early, early time. But do you but do you think that you were you were different or. Were you a, were you still a jolly teacher? Um, I think I was uh, very stern, but I think I was also completely in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, like the conversations we have over coconuts after practice? Yeah. They're so stern and they are so focused. And we are talking about what you do with your left elbow when you go into uh, Bakasana B. Yeah. Mm. And we speak for an hour and a half about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, uh, we speak about that until someone drags us away and say, you have to leave now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that. So, and I think like that kind of internal fire, that kind of fire and interest, um, it carries. It like it transmits um, so I think at, at, at the same time, just like Ashtanga Yoga, can be, we can be very stern, but we can also be very loving and very, um, the heart is open. And the, the interest is not me and it's not you, it is yoga. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the whole idea about what yoga is and that abstract pursuit of yoga Oh, Isvara or Samadhi or whatever we want to call it, that kind of holy grail that is within that concept. I feel that as a human being, my first entry into that was art. Mm-hmm. Art was Isvara. And mm-hmm. I imagine you, you can relate. It's like we pursue these constructions to hopefully let one day that art will spirit it come you know and raise the spirit in it so it's not just constructions anymore and everybody's on the train to um, awaken art or, or whatever it's called download art into all these like weird constructions mm, yeah that's beautiful i'm looking for this the same mental space whether i'm in yoga or i'm painting i'm i'm, I'm seeking to be absorbed in in the experience and then there are all of these as you said, um, technical aspects that help you get better at the thing if you're going to mm. do it, you know. 
Yeah. And knowing this, the technique, whether it's painting or dance or yoga, uh, it helps. And I, but you said that earlier you, that you had a kind of loving and you were um, creative, but also very technical. And that struck me that that's probably what you're like as a yoga teacher as well. That there's something very, very similar for you in that, in that experience as, a, as you started teaching yoga. I think so. First of all, I came out of dance and, you know, when you, when you, what we learned there is a lot of technique. And as a teacher, we ha- like what is required as a teacher is you have to either be able to show it really well or explain it even better. And <laughs> both. Right. <laughs> and if you can't do that, you're not a good teacher. It's that simple. So when I came into Stanga Yoga and, and the teacher would go up and say, Ikam inhaled, we do you exhale. I would be like, Are you shitting me? <laughs> That's it. Are you yeah. shitting me? You know, like you've got to be kidding me. So I re- like in the beginning teaching uh, Stanga Yoga, I refused doing the counts because I thought if I do the counts, I have no time giving instruction. Mm-hmm. But um, and then at some moment, I realized the benefit of it, like, probably way too late (laughs) in my little ignorant insistence but the counts i mean the counts are useful like a a counted sanskrit class in sort of a classical mysorinian way um it's useful if you already know the practice but for learning the practice it, it would be very difficult i agree but then, then when we know it, then it can be so wonderful just going in, taking a class where all we hear is, E come inhale, to be exhale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It becomes more meditative. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. And it I, leaves I, space for us. It leaves space for you? Yeah, don't you, don't you think? Sorry, I interrupted you. You were about to say something there. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I feel um, a little schizophrenic about the way that I teach that if I'm going to do the count, it's all about me giving my energy, Mm. my prana to a group of people to exhort them forward. And so I don't do any explanation. I'm, I'm bellowing the, the Sanskrit at them and getting them to move and getting them to move together and getting them to stay together as a group with the same energy. But if, if, I'm going to break something down, then I could spend 45 minutes on Akam. Yeah. And often Harmony has to tell me to kind of move it on. To yeah. Dwight. <laughs> yes. Uh, is your last name Freeman? When I met you, you had already... I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say, Harmony? Well, you, have, you also have a keen interest in anatomy, Tim, yeah? Oh, yeah, that's where we came from. Yeah, so I think... Like, like as a dancer, as a coming off of a dance uh, uh, background, I was kind of brainwashed with technique. And then second, I broke my body so severely, so it pretty, it would be fair to say that it shouldn't have worked very well after that. And that the only way that, in my own opinion, that I made it through was because I started to look in such detail at how that muscle influenced the movement of the knee, how the bone rotated, how the femur rotated on top of the tibia, and how I could bypass some of those places that was injured in my meniscus and blah, blah, blah. 
So I had to get so detailed, but and it was possible because I had a wealth of sensation due to the injury. Of course, mm-hmm. a very comfortable sensation. But I could feel when I was right on, and I could feel when I was just a little bit off. So, and so the only way I was able to uh, go into Padmasana and learn some of these m- uh, movements in yoga, but also in dance before that, was to really break it down into physical mechanics. And to understand the physical mechanics, I had to study anatomy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would go in and try to figure out what is this thing I feel in my knee that hurts so much in the left one that doesn't do it in the right one. How can I work with that? Blah, 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 blah. And I have many places in my body to do that. So I think, and in school they taught us functional anatomy. So that added to that. Mm-hmm. And when I came to New York, there was some, there was uh, uh, two ladies over there, Barbara Marla and Susan Klein. They had some amazing broken down ballet bar classes that was extremely anatomical based and I took them like religion mm-hmm. um, so I think because my body had been so broken maybe because I had interest in like how the body functioned already then that just became kind of I don't know my space mm-hmm. somehow to function in and it is still is still is today and if you are not analytically interested, don't ever take my class. <laughs> 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 because you're going to hate it, man. I do. I love that stuff. I, I loved, I loved learning every little word. And I, I studied Latin in high school. And so oh. it was just like, so it was like delicious, like eating, eating the, the, the flesh. It was uh, the the uh, the carne the carnival uh, <laughs> carnival of delight water. Mm. <laughs> the carnival um, of delight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did you then? After all of this, tell us how you and Kino fell in love. That's what we really want to know. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? That all sounds so interesting. And then you like commented that in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I thought. You know, before I met Kino, who is a native of Miami or whatever it's called, <laughs> I there was I was so interested in seeing the entire world. There was two places in the world that I that was stated on the map that I never wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And one was Ibiza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you remember in the 90s, Ibiza was just impossible party island. Yeah. And the second one was Miami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're the same place. That was That's the why. same in the 90s, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. And it was like stated, I thought, like, those are the two places I never, ever want to even see. You know, yeah. I don't want to pass But anyway, yeah, so... I went like this short, you know, Kino was doing Ashtanga Yoga in Miami and Lino came over here to teach once with Michael Gannon mm-hmm. and Kino met him and then she decided to go and study with him uh, on the way. She, I think she was going to travel around the world for a year mm-hmm. and she wanted, she started out with going to, uh, to study with Lino in, in Kerala. And then she mm-hmm. went on from there to study with uh, Patabi Joyce in uh, for half a year, something like that. And then yeah. I remember this because she was practicing at guys a little bit, and she would come in, and people would talk about her. Oh yeah, 
a little girl with the shaved head who could, you know, grab her knees in back bends or in kapotasana. <laughs> we all noticed her, you know, and, and I knew her there. And then I had heard that, yeah, she had done the big circuit, the big tour. Yes. Okay. I think I met her in 2003. Mm-hmm. She had a little bit of hair there. But did you meet in Copenhagen? No, we met at the airport in Trivandrum in Kerala. Oh. So we were like <laughs> at the luggage band. And she <laughs> walked over to me and she said, are you going to that yoga thing? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, she's cute. I said, yeah, I can help you get there. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And had you ever been to Kerala to practice with Lino before? Yeah, I had been there a couple of times before okay. already. So I so knew you, how to yeah, get you knew. and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, your confidence was real. Yeah, so I could be the, you know, <laughs> armor, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can help you. Little girl. And so you both were there <laughs> practicing for a month together. Yeah, I think we were there for two no i was there for a month i think that's right i can't remember something like that a month or two Mm -hmm. and then i had to go back uh, to denmark and she uh, went on to my so i had to go back and work and you must have been crying at the airport you must have been sobbing to leave each other i i was yo and she was with a big smile see you baby (laughs) (laughs) that explains a great deal (laughs) and then did you meet back up in Mysore again Uh, then I went to uh, Copenhagen because I was making a a piece a a choreography I worked and then um, right after that I was going to Finland in the summer that's like six months later now right going to Finland to make a commissioned work up there and Tina decided to change her flight her ticket so instead of going from India to Thailand or something she came to Finland which is almost the same Thailand Finland that's very yeah. uh, same it's almost same <laughs> yeah same food mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah the same death metal yeah. <laughs> so she came up there and um and stayed with me for a while, and then we went to Copenhagen, and then we went to London, stayed in London for a while, and um, then, you know, then kind of developed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Eventually, you ended up in Mysore, and that's where I met you. E- yes. That was, that was then the year after, I think, 2004 yeah. or something like that. That's mm-hmm. right. Is that when you were there first time? Yes. Yeah, I think that must that that was I think two thousand four was the first time I was in. Yeah, it was the year after they built the new Shala. Yeah, yeah. because Kina went when I met Kino, she went to India, and she was going to go to the new Shala for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you came first time, Harmony. Yeah, yeah, and I remember you two were living in Srivara. Manor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fancy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was very disappointed. It was brand new. Yeah. <laughs> a clay hut. I thought, <laughs> where is the clay hut and the goats and the elephants? That's where oh. I want to live. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not quite. And Russell, how about you? When you you you've been coming some time before that. 
Right. I, you know, uh, Kino, when Kino went to the new Shala, that was my first trip. I remember her very, very clearly there. In I 2003. In 2003. Um, I remember some of the, um, uh, what was I going to say? That, um, but I remember a couple years later, 2004, 2005, I remember seeing you for the first time and I was in the, the Shala foyer, the foyer. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my teacher Petri from New York, who taught the second class at guys uh, and all in sub for guy for some time, he was in the foyer and I was so excited. I was telling him all about what I was doing and how excited I was. And I had a very, very clear picture in my mind of seeing you and Kino sitting together on the bench. And, and I saw that Kino was observing me uh, in my conversation with Petri. And I, I didn't quite recognize her because she didn't have a shaved head. She had this long (laughs) blonde hair and she was also, she looked like ripped, like a, like an Olympic athlete. Like she was just covered and rippled with veiny, muscular arms <laughs> and i was like i don't quite recognize this person and but I, and I also saw you sitting right next to her and then after i finished my conversation with petri we, i went out to get a coconut and i saw the two of you there i said i'm gonna introduce myself i don't know who these people are but i'm gonna introduce myself and i remember asking excuse me are you keno mcgregor and she looked over at me like oh a fan and and i was like i'm probably gonna come on to her because she's famous or something you know and no i said don't didn't you used to have a shaved head and then she like completely like softened and melted it's like oh yeah you know me from the old days yeah (laughs) and then i met you and it was it was just incredibly sweet to meet you then i i i can't remember but i think i remember because I remember coming to Mysore the first time and thinking that it was quite a circus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had not anticipated that. And I, I remember like realizing, I, like turning around to Kino after a couple of days at the coconut stand or at the coconuts after practice and saying to her, everybody's a yoga teacher here. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I remember I had a whole string of um, experiences where people were interested in talking to Kino because he'd been there a couple of times, but would literally position themselves between me and Kino and turn their back uh, to me. Yeah. And, or like, <laughs> just not like, we, like, I thought we were talking the three of us. And then, you know, I would say something like, oh, yes, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Karandavasana or something, right? And yeah. then they would like look at me. And take a sip of the coconut and t- turn over to Kino and continue the conversation that I was interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> it was brutal. Oh, like, holy So I think I remember wow. you there, the coming there, because there was just a few friendly fa- friendly faces. I think I remember you there. And, you know, Olaf. You remember Olaf, right? Of yeah. course. Yeah. He was so nice. Yeah. yeah. He was actually being very, very nice. But um, besides that, I thought it was little bit harsh uh, entry to the yogi that's very interesting because yeah it could be a very harsh place 
yeah. people were sometimes, Clicking. yeah, quite brutal to each other in a in a very uh, subtle and underhanded, yeah. yes. unspoken kind of way. Mm-hmm. Did you have similar experiences, Harmony, like that? I, I, you know what, I don't share this story very often, but I'll, you know, you're you're pulling it out of me. <laughs> you can cut it out. Yeah. I mean, you might remember this because you were there. I don't know. But when I came to Mysore, um, I had a friend who was sort of a boyfriend-ish Kyle. person. Yeah, see, you do I remember. remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember you too. <laughs> but the thing was, is we had only really kind of, we lived in different cities in Canada and we had only sort of been dating for like, 30 days I mean it wasn't Kyle the very tall man yeah Yeah, it wasn't super serious right but he had been there in Mysore for two months already and I had decided I was going to come to Mysore because I really wanted to go and um anyway to make a long story short he had sort of prepped the whole community about the arrival of his girlfriend uh-huh. So everyone thought that we were like, you know, very serious and and a couple, right? Uh-huh. But we had never like lived together. We really n- hadn't spent probably more than five days together. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I arrived in Mysore, it was his third month there and my first month. Um, and he had a, an apartment in Shrivara. That's why I remember you and Kino there. <laughs> like right on top of us, right? Yes, right above you. <laughs> and, um, and so he said, oh, you can come stay here. You know, there's two rooms. It's, it's beautiful. It's nice. It's clean. So, of course, I went and, um, you know, moved into his apartment. It was a free place to stay. And that was great, right? Because I had really no money at all. I was 20. Four years old. <laughs> and no idea about being in India. I don't know if that was first time you arrived it in was, India. Exactly. My very first time in India, total culture shock, total, you know, like, oh my gosh, where am yeah, I? Safe haven. Exactly. So you think, right? But mm-hmm. things didn't quite go as planned. Um, and after about three weeks, it was clear that uh, this was not a compatible connection (laughs) Uh and so I had you know said to him listen I don't think this is really gonna work out you know and he basically kind of kicked me out kicked me to the curb whoa yeah you should have come downstairs we had an extra room (laughs) thank you (laughs) Uh so at the same time you also know Jeff who's my Uh, former husband. Yes. And he was also in Mysore at the same time. And we had been friends for about a year before this. We lived in the same city. And um, and so he was really the only person I knew there who was like a friend of mine from home. Mm-hmm. And so I went and figured out where he was staying. So I didn't even know really where he was staying and, and you know, came in crying and I have no place to go. <laughs> oh. And so he said, listen, you can come stay here. It's no problem. And, you know, took me in. Um, he is that kind of quintessential savior, isn't he? Yes, mm. that is. That's He's the uh, hero. Yes, he's very good in that role. <laughs> so I moved in. And, and the interesting thing also was Paul Delahan was living in the apartment above Jeff at that time. And 
he was uh, in Trivera looking at renting an apartment there. And he saw me like with my bags moving out of this apartment. And of course, I had way too much stuff with me and I could barely carry it all. So he came and helped me, uh, you know, with my bags to put them in the rickshaw and said, oh, I know where Jeff lives. He lives right below us, you know, and helped me get to the apartment properly. (laughs) Uh So, um, but this caused such a ruckus in the community. Really? Oh, yeah. That I had left Kyle and and moved in with Jeff. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that I was like shunned for the next six weeks until like all of the people who knew Kyle had left Mysore and it was all new poop people who had come. You had <laughs> your second story. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen that before. Yeah, it happened. Uh, yeah. I remember when, when Rolf and Kirsten broke up and everyone shunned Kirsten. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then, Mitchell and I, Mitchell Gold and I were best friends. And so I became Kirsten's new friend because I was the only one who would talk to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's serious. And people like would like get up and leave when you would like yeah. come into a room. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. People wouldn't talk to you. They oh, wouldn't, they weren't God. friendly. They were, it yeah. was like, yeah, it I was would, really harsh actually. I would get up and leave if Joseph Dunham came in the room. I would get up and walk <laughs> really? out. Sure, yeah. Uh, Joseph Dunham, that, that is Mr. Joseph, right? Mr. Joseph, yeah, the mayor, the former mayor, your predecessor, the former mayor. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? May I ask yeah. why? Well, we have to cut this part out. Also. <laughs> <laughs> you don't speak ill of the dead? Nobody speaks ill of the dead anymore? It's true. He's dead. You can tell. Uh, well, you don't need to. He, my, we had a, a guest on the show a couple nights ago, Sharon Moon. Couple and, nights. I love couple, how he's condensing everything. Sharon was actually a couple of weeks ago. Couple of weeks ago. Lisa Sharon was like Moon, a couple months ago. Sharon Moon <laughs> was on the show and, and I was taking care of her and she had arranged to stay in Joseph Dunham's apartment. And, um, he, uh, was angry that the plants had died in the apartment, but they had died before she had moved in. Uh-huh. Um, and he became clear. He really wanted uh, Noah and Kimberly to stay there. Uh-huh. It became very clear. So he brought them over to the apartment and he started yelling and screaming about the state of the apartment. And he took one of the dead plants and he drop kicked it across the room. <laughs> That's dramatic. And then Sharon <laughs> called me with no place to stay. And on, I had, I then, she moved in with me and I took care of her and got her a new place. Oh, look at you, hero, you too. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? So, it's a common Mysore theme. It's a common, when you lose <laughs> your place to stay in Mysore, that's the you end of the road. Married. That's the end. <laughs> that's, but the thing is, and this is the thing about Joseph, and I, I don't mind saying, is that eventually, like, we just, we just kept being at the same party every year, every time I was there, I was like, Oh yeah. Hi. <laughs> but eventually we just like, we just moved on from it. You, you know, I can only be angry for so long. Right. Yeah, That happened. We just have to sit here and eat together. Let's just do it. Let's just, you know, be nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, even Kyle and I have uh, made up, you know. <laughs> There's no hard feelings, even though it was. But all those people that's witnessed it, they've never forgiven you. <laughs> A little dramatic. <laughs> you just jumped in foot, feet first and you moved in to, to, the, to where your girlfriend lived. Actually, what we did then last next year also, like I went back to Lino and um, I was there for two months. And we're supposed to leave together from Kovalam to Mysore, Kino and I. And, um, but as I was about to leave, I was in the very end of third series with Lino. Mm-hmm. I had a few asanas left. Yeah. So I said to Kino, listen, I'm just going to stay a little bit longer. Because it's a big moment. It is a huge moment. So I was like, if I stay for another few weeks and I was kind of half embarrassed to even, you know, like because it's so illegal to want another asana in our tradition. You know? mm. <laughs> <It's> so common. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going to, I can't leave right now. I'm going to have to stay a little bit longer and, and just like finish this thing. So Anyway, so so Kino left, and then uh, I stayed, I think, two more weeks or something like that, and then Dino's course finished, and I had learned what I wanted to learn, and then I then I arrived in in Mysore. Uh, so she had uh, come in early and set the whole thing up, and everything was just ready for me when I arrived. It's quite luxurious. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you felt that this is this is what you this is really what you wanted and this is right and you decided to 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 be with her forever but also leave <laughs> your home in Denmark and move to Florida be a Florida man yeah i think it was that adventure one more time yeah. you know and and also by that time i was um i was i think at a moment in the whole art thing art scene and dance scene where I think I was a little bit burned out and mm-hmm. I was ready for a change and not just like a year or two before I had gone through a divorce with my ex-wife, Sarah. Oh, we didn't get a touch under that at all. Ooh, that's a whole <laughs> other subject. <laughs> that's a different Life. podcast. Oh my God. Yeah. We'll have to, f- we'll catch up with that next time. <laughs> It'll be like 10 podcasts. Mm. <laughs> so yeah so and i'd gone through like that a lot of hardship in that way you know so and and i was kind of burned out so when i met kino i was already kind of looking for you know what's it called like um a second second go at it you know at life mm-hmm. or something like that yeah, yeah. that's what you're saying so <clears throat> when when I met Kino and and at some moment we we decided to to go to Miami and open up a yoga studio and see how see how that was and I said can you can you do me a favor can you give me two years let's go to Miami and give me two years and let me make my mind up in two years I don't know if I can live in Miami mm-hmm. so we did kind of a two year test test run and then you know I was in so deep so whether I wanted it or not I couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's been phenomenally successful. You've you had a you've had a, a it's a massive business. You've just you've just created a whole new structure. You've just gone and built a whole a whole new center now. Oh, you mean with the Miami Life Center or like where we are right now this year? 
Yeah, like with the my the Miami Life Center has been hugely successful and amazing, and then now you're able to expand into a a Massive bigger space. Miami Life Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been crazy, man. Like we've been fourteen, fifteen years on South Beach in Miami Life Center. Mm-hmm. You know, let me tell a funny story. Like when we when we opened up, I think the first year we were there. Um, do you did you ever go down to Isla Morada and take class with Patabi Joyce down there? No, I never made it to Islamorama. <laughs> Islamorama, yeah. <laughs> so, but you remember he went down there? That was like Sonia's mm-hmm. first initiative. When yeah, it and a Darsh was running the place at some point. Maybe that something like that. I forgot who was running, but he came. Uh, one, I think the last year he came, he was he always he was supposed to come the year after, but that got cancelled. Um, oh yeah, I think that's how it was. So he came one year, and then the next year he um, it, it was cancelled, but it got cancelled so late, so everybody had all already arrived. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was. Oh um, yeah, I remember that. Remember that was like three hundred ashtangis in Isla Morada and <laughs> nothing no, to do. No yeah. So what were they going to do all these ashtangis? So a lot of them came up to Miami Life Center and took MISO class with us, and we just had like I don't know, like eight hour MISO class, just like next wow. batch, next, next batch, and we would just Kino me and, and Greg Nardi. And we're just these young kids and people came in. I was like, well, what is this place? Oh, nice floors. Oh, yeah. all right. So can you help me with Igapod? I was like, sure. You know, so somehow, you know, people from all over America and maybe even the world, they came and suddenly we were on the map. Yeah, uh, amazing. That's an incredible stroke of luck. That was, yeah, except, you know, we would have liked to practice with with. We're good at the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but from a kind of like a opening a, a new yoga shala business kind of that was like just like boom suddenly we were in the mix you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was a that was really really uh, really great like really helpful yeah in, in and tell that. us about the the building that you're building now oh yeah <clears throat> so we're calling it miami yoga garage Okay. Are you serious? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's just like we built this, we bought this huge old warehouse that was completely run down. And we were super lucky to get an amazing price before it got put on the market. Mm-hmm. And then we had some really great people help us to secure a loan so we could actually buy it. So we call it ours, but really it's the banks. You know, it's one of those. Yeah, Yeah. we live in one of those. (laughs) Yes, it's like our entire life. We drive one of those. We go home and sleep in one of those. (laughs) But um, so it's 8,000 square feet in two stories. And we're basically just um, uh, rebirthing the entire building and just fixing it up from bottom to top with a new roof and new floors and new windows and new infrastructure and we, a huge project yeah, huge it was we were supposed to be finished in august mm-hmm. but because construction generally takes a little more time but covid has really been you know 
delaying yeah. stuff. So yeah. we're still in the mix right now. Yeah. But we wow. hope to open up within a month or two. Oh. Oh, amazing. Oh. Well, we would love to come down and see. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait. I have to. Like, I think Harmony, how was it? Like, right before COVID, we had a date, and you're supposed to come teach, and we had to cancel that, right? Yeah, we did. Now you're going to have to come to the yoga garage instead. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> I'll bring Russell. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not always welcome, but I'm happy to come. <laughs> oh, you know, we would love to see you because, you know, one of my big queries is like, I have no clue what I'm going to use that building for. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a year building it and I have no idea what I'm going to do in there. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of yoga done in there. Yeah. yeah well, so, yeah, Miami Life Center is moving in, and Kinos, Ohm Stars, online yeah. filming is going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That is. And we've yeah. invited some friends, some local friends, with the Winwood Yoga crew. We've invited them in to share their yoga spaces with us. Perfect. Yeah, they're great. So there's, and then a couple of other things, but it's, it's just so big that building. So it's kind of, that's not enough because there's potential for more. Mm-hmm. We have this huge lobby um, and <clears throat> in two stories. And I, um, I kind of want to make it a, I don't know, an art space or where there's, you know, jazz on Fridays and uh, awesome. commissioned artists to exp- show their art or something i'm not quite sure some kind of community art something well, that would be a good place to put the the portrait i made of the two of you yes. right no you know uh, that has come down because kino thinks that her thighs looks fat in that picture there <laughs> i don't i don't mind that i'm a big fan and i was really very i was you know i spent a long time looking at them <laughs> you know engrossed in the subject and so i you thought it was flattering i lo- yeah. <laughs> i didn't quite know what i was what was going to happen when i opened my mouth there but anyway <laughs> I, I do, i'll take Fly the painting back um then harmony and i can have it <clears throat> <laughs> on your bedroom wall now I was, I was thinking, you know, I'm just gonna wait a couple of years until Kino gets a little older. When she looks back at that, it's like, oh, I was young and beautiful then. Then I'll hang it up again. Then I have my second chance. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> and one last thing before we go, you know, I know you're quite uh, passionate about riding motorcycles. Oh yes, that's the Do fun you, bit. That's the fun. <laughs> Do you think? Does it connect you back to your your family, to your dad, to to adventure, to his yeah sort of you know loves in life also? I would say so. For instance, um, in a very very direct way, three years ago, my father he passed, mm-hmm. and he left a little bit of money. And but he was always talking about that he wanted to have a BMW, but when he was a kid, he couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So he had other kinds of motorcycles. But so like kind of I grew up with my dad talking about that, how amazing BMW's motorcycles mm-hmm. were. Yeah. So when he passed and he left me this bit of money, I sold my Triumph and I bought a BMW. Oh. And that was that was like I thought it's got to be now. You know, I, I also yeah. like the problem because my dad did. But um, 
But so that motorcycle that I'm driving right now is a direct link back, no doubt about it. Oh, that's, that's so wonderful. nice. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels good like that. But also I think it's just, oh man, it's like, you know when we are in Mysore and we're driving those old motorcycles around? Yeah. yeah. Like for a long time it was just kind of transportation for me down there. And then at some moment I realized this is fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I started to you know take some trips, and that's when I bought a motorcycle here, mm-hmm. and then um, now it's my hobby. Yeah, mm. and it's just pure fun. But there's you know even on the, in the whole motorcycle thing, you know, there's these like m- moments of sin experiences, you know, where you, I don't know if it's samadhi, but you know what I mean, right? Like those mm-hmm. moments of. Exotic yeah. appearances. Absorption. Something like that. Yeah. 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 You got to be, you know, the thing with the motorcycle is it, it becomes an extension of the body. Mm. And um, you have to become kind of one with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, when, and you, it's like not so different than the practice. You know, it's, it requires a lot of skill, just like the practice. If you're skillful. And if you practice well, you get better. And you can feel that you get better. And then, and then you can do more fun things. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tim, that. that's such a pleasure to sit with you today. And I was really looking forward to it. I didn't even want to write any questions now down because I knew it would just be real flow fast and a, and a giggle fast. And I'm just really grateful <laughs> that you'd spend your time with us. What's uh, what's next on your schedule? What are what are your plans for this coming year? You know, I think like everybody else, I'm just kind of hanging back a little bit and waiting and seeing whether there's going to be some changes yeah. uh, to this COVID. Um, but what uh, what I've done is I have because I had to plan a little bit ahead. I basically planned all my teaching to be online up until summer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I can probably you know fit a little extra in here and there if the whole thing opens up um, so I can maybe travel or or see some people uh, in person again but so for the next half year I'm just going to be sitting at home in front of the zoom screen and (laughs) (laughs) And just interspersed with some motorcycle trips (laughs) basically (laughs) <laughs> and how about you two what, what what are you what are you guys doing are you making it work yeah i mean i'm i'm sort of the same as you just zooming away <laughs> yeah man um and russell's doing i've been trying to lose weight for the last like, 10 oh, yes. years so that's <laughs> really <doing> that. <laughs> that's what you said when i met you in new york last time you were skinny as a you were like as cut as a, as a full of veins as you described my wife a little earlier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still, still, still more room to grow. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what's the best way for people to find where you're, where you're at? How do they, they get these coveted URLs? Oh, so, well, yeah, commercial section here at the end. So my website, it kind of died. <laughs> I, sure. I just haven't been able to keep it up. But basically my Instagram account, that's where I, 
I put out what I'm doing there mostly. Okay, Tim Feldman yoga, right? Uh, yeah, Tim Feldman that- yoga. I think that's I think what it is. I can't remember. I think you're I'm right. Pretty sure. <laughs> that might yeah, I think I think Harmony probably does. <laughs> I'm your number one fan. I'm shaking right now. I'm aware of that. <laughs> yoga. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Well, Perfect. Tim, we will catch up again in the new year, and we'll find out how everything went, and we'll find out all about your ex-wife, and we're looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just such a pleasure to speak to you. <clears throat> You're both so sincere and so fun and so original and so quirky on top. So it's just always a pleasure to be in your company. So thanks for having me come in. Well, thank you. We love you so much, Tim. We love you, Tim. I love you back. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow, watching the breaking waves, there's a heart.